you're able to remain standing, please do so. Take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to John chapter 7. John 7 will begin at verse 53 and read through verse 11 of chapter 8. Hear now the word of God. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. Then we went each to his own house. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This, they said, to test him that they might bring or might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday evening, we looked at verses 40 through 52, and we saw Christ is a divider of men. We saw the response of the crowds concerning the sermon he preached in verse 37 of chapter 7. We saw the response of the officers, those officers that were sent to arrest Jesus. And, and there was response to this, no one ever spoke like this man. We heard the response of the Pharisees who were not pleased at all with those officers and how they belittled the crowd and belittled even some of the Pharisees thinking surely they no, not one of them could have believed in Jesus. And then we heard the response of Nicodemus and how he called the Pharisees to account for doing that which the law told them they should not do. They were condemning the Lord before giving Him a, a fair hearing. And so tonight we continue on tonight and, and we come to a, a difficult passage. Again, when we come to these passages, they're difficult. It's not difficult to understand. It is difficult because of the brackets. You all notice the brackets around our text tonight. And the reason that those brackets are there is that this passage is difficult to determine if it belongs in our English Bibles. 
Most of the modern translations, almost all of the translations, gives us a note with the brackets. The earliest and most reliable manuscripts and other ancient witnesses do not have these verses. One of my seminary professors never preached from this text. He was not convinced that it was a part of the original manuscripts. But we also notice tonight that this lengthy passage that is in brackets indicates that this is not included in all the manuscripts of John's gospel. And so there are arguments against this passage. One is it, it, it states that it's not found, in, again, in some of the oldest and, and best manuscripts now existing of the Greek New Testament. It is not found in some of the earlier versions or translations of Scripture. It is not commented on by the Greek fathers. It is different in style than the rest of John's Gospel. And some state that the, the moral tendency of this passage is somewhat doubtful. For it seems like the Lord is looking past sin. Now one commentator that would not preach from this would be Robert Rayburn. There are other arguments for this passage belonging in the Bible. It is found in many old manuscripts. It is found in the Latin Vulgate. It is found in the Arabic, the Coptic, the Persian, and the Ethiopian versions. We find this passage is commented on by Augustine in his exposition of this gospel. And there is no proof that there is any immoral tendency in this passage. And so commentators for are, are John Calvin, J.C. Ryle, Charles Simeon, William Hendrickson, and James Montgomery Boyce. John Calvin said this, but as it has always been received by the Latin churches and is found in many old Greek manuscripts, and contains nothing, nothing unworthy of an apostolic spirit, there is no reason why we should refuse to apply, to apply it to our advantage. And so that's what we seek to do here tonight, to apply this passage to our advantage as Christians. And so we see the next day after Jesus has spoken all, he spoke earlier in John chapter 7, that he encounters a woman after retiring to the Mount of Olives the previous light, night, and this encounter changes this woman's life. And so there are three things I want us to notice here tonight from our text, and the first is the nature of sin. In verse 2, we have the immediate context. Again, Jesus had went up to the Mount of Olives. He had spent the night there. We, we assume alone. We do not know for sure. And then the next morning, he comes again, where? To the temple. And, and people are coming to him. And so as he would normally do, when people come, he would, he would sit down, he would teach them. The, the sitting down would be what a rabbi does. Have the crowd around them and, and sit and teach them about God and about the Word of God. But then we see the, the nature of sin in the woman. Verse 3 tells us that the scribes and the Pharisees, they bring a woman to Jesus. And this woman had been caught 
in adultery. She was caught in the very act of adultery. And so what should her, her punishment have been? Death. Deuteronomy 22 tells us. This text tells us as well as the scribes and the Pharisees refer back to it. And the question is this. If she was caught in the very act of adultery, where's the man? Why wasn't he brought before the Lord as well? Well, we know why. The Pharisees and the scribes, they, had no, no, they did not concern themselves one bit about the woman. They were only wanting to catch Jesus in order to bring about their plan to kill him. And so that's the nature of, the, of sin and the scribes and the Pharisees. Verse 4. As they placed her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. One commentator states that to understand precisely what these men were doing, we must understand not only, what, not only was their approach to Jesus a trap, they actually had already been active in trapping the woman. And so the nature of their sin was found in the fact that they brought this woman to Jesus. They desired not for justice against the woman, but to bring charges against the Lord. And they believed that they had put him in a, in a bond. If Jesus acquitted the woman, then they would have said that he was an enemy of the law of Moses. If Jesus condemned her, they would then accuse him as resisting the government of Caesar, for the Jews were not allowed to execute anyone. If Jesus simply dismissed the matter without paying any attention to it, then they would accuse him of showing no zeal for the honor of God. And if Jesus simply referred this matter to another tribunal, either to the Roman or Jewish authorities, they would then find accusation against him for doing that. And so they were seeking to trap the Lord. They were seeking to find something by which they could bring a charge against the Lord. But as we have seen, nothing is going to, to stick to the Lord. Nothing ever stuck to the Lord as far as a legitimate charge in his life. But nothing is going to take Jesus to the cross earlier than what the Father had designed. Now, the end... Or, uh, at the end of chapter or verse 6, we read that Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. We see it again in verse 8. Now, we do not know what Jesus was writing. There's some speculation. That he was writing maybe the name of the man or the men who had committed adultery with this woman who were now bringing charges against her. We see the nature of sin, the woman's sin, the sin of the scribes and the Pharisees. And then second of all, we see the nature of the Lord dealing with sin. The Lord does not condone the sin of hypocrisy in the, in the scribes and the Pharisees. In verse 7, and they, as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to him, Let him who 
is without sin among you, be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. Now Jesus here did not make light of their sin with his response. He also did not make light of the sin of the woman either. But since they were looking for a woman to be stoned, he said, okay, then you do it. Now they were not able to carry out this punishment for they had not been reliable witnesses. What does Deuteronomy 17 7 tell us, the hands of the witnesses shall be the first against him to put him to death, and afterwards the hands of all the people, so you shall put away the evil from among you. Again, this woman had been caught in the act. The other person's not there. Both should have been brought before the Lord. They do not care about upholding the law of God. J.C. Ryle says that he did not say the woman had not sinned. Jesus did not say the woman had not sinned or that her sin was a, a trifling and venial one, but he reminded her accusers that they at any rate were not the persons to bring a charge against her. Their own motives and lives were far from pure. They themselves did not come into the case with clean hands. What they really desired was not to vindicate the purity of God's law and punish a sinner, but to wreak their malice on Christ. Again, that is what they are seeking. And so after Jesus wrote on the ground the second time, then what happened? As the scribes and the Pharisees heard what Jesus said, they, they started walking away. One by one. First the older ones, and then the younger, and then Jesus was left alone with the woman. And as he was left alone, Jesus then confronted her. He says in verse 10, Woman, where are they? As no one condemns you. Jesus was not excusing what she had done, but he was getting to her heart. And we see tonight how gracious God is with sinners. Now he accused every one of us tonight of sin. We have sinned this day. We deserve to be stoned for our breaking of the law of God on this His holy day. We deserve death, but we see what? We, we see just as this woman had every right to be condemned, she was not. So do we. We have every right to be condemned by God, but in mercy and grace we are not condemned. This woman was shown mercy by the very judge she was brought before. But then Jesus goes on to teach her. To teach her about repentance. And so the third thing we hear about is the nature of repentance in verse 11. She responds to the Lord and said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on sin no more. Jesus, Jesus shows this woman grace and tells her the meaning of repentance. What is repentance? It is a turning from sin and turning to the righteousness of Christ. It is making an about face in life. It is fleeing sin 
and running to the grace of God that is found in Jesus Christ. That is repentance unto life. And as we always remind ourselves, repentance unto life is always accompanied with what? Saving faith. If a person turns from their sin and they turn and they believe in Jesus. If a person has faith in Christ, then they have turned from their sin. And he tells her, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more, for you have been shown the grace of God. You are a new creature. You have not been condemned, even though you rightfully could have been condemned. You have not been. He's telling this woman to go and live a holy life. Now Jesus is not telling her that she would never sin again because He knew her heart. He knows our hearts. He knows we sin every day. But yet, our mindset should be that we're not going to sin. That we're going to go and sin no more as, this, as Jesus instructs this woman. And so this repentance that leads to life is expected of every child of God. Repentance flows from our gratitude to God for His grace. Again, we don't deserve grace. If we think we deserve grace, it's no longer grace. We deserve hell. We deserve the wrath of God. We deserve the judgment of God. Of God, and only because Christ has suffered it in our place, that is the only reason we will not suffer the wrath of God for eternity. Repentance flows from our love for Jesus. Hopefully, as God's children, we love our Lord. And we love Him because He first loved us. We love Him because of what He has done for us, bringing us from death to life. Giving us life in Himself. Repentance flows from our love not only for Christ, but to keep the commandments of God. We are called to keep the commandments of God, the laws and the statutes of God. Now we know when we think of the law of God, what has been done away with because of our Lord's sacrifice and life and the ceremonial law. We're not talking about the, the civil law that one day went away when Israel ceased to be the commonwealth of God, but we, we are talking about that moral law, the Ten Commandments. And, and, and our repentance should flow from our, our love to keep those ten words. Again, it's not legalism to live by the Ten Commandments. God gave those commandments to His redeemed people. And, and unless we repent, we will perish. If we do not repent of sin, we will, we will perish. We will face the judgment of God, not just for a moment, but for all eternity. Now, our text does not tell us necessarily that this woman turned to Christ, but I do believe it can be indicated that she did, and that she more than likely turned from her sinful ways and, and went and lived a holy life. You know, at the beginning of the passage, we probably would have thought that this woman would have been condemned and the scribes and Pharisees justified, but it's the exact opposite. 
the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, at the end of the day in this text, they are the ones condemned. And this woman has shown the grace of God. And so what application can we make here this evening? Well, first of all, let me ask, do you believe tonight that you are innocent of sin? If you believe that, then you do not know how sinful you are. All of us here tonight are just as guilty as this woman that was brought before Jesus, and we are just as guilty of the, as the scribes and the Pharisees who came in their pride to try and send Jesus to the cross. Even as God's children, we are not innocent of sin. We sin every day, and that's why we are are called to keep short accounts with God. All of us here tonight, we have sinned against God by breaking His law. Again, what are the way, what is the wages of death of sin? Is death. The wages of sin is death. That's what we all deserve tonight. Every one of us deserve death. Death, spiritual death, physical death, the, the wrath of God to be poured out upon us. We do not deserve any grace or mercy from God. If God would have been completely just after our first parents sinned against Him to send them to hell. He would have been perfectly just to not redeem any of their children, of their seed. But we know God had a different plan from the creation past. He had that different plan. He had that, the plan all along that, that, that His Son would come and save a multitude that no one can number. A, a multitude of sinners more numerous than the stars in the sky or the sand on the seashore as He promised Abraham His descendants would be that numerous. Third, because we have all sinned against God by breaking His law, all of us here are called to repent of our sins. We must repent because of the nature of sin. Sin is natural to us as fallen human beings. What, what do babies from the womb come forth from the womb knowing what to do? To sin. David said, I, I came forth from my mother's womb Speaking lies. And that's the natural man. That's how we are born in this world. That's how we are conceived in this world. And that is the nature of sin uh, given to all of Adam's posterity by ordinary generation. And the only one that was not born by ordinary generation or came about by ordinary generation is the Lord Jesus Christ. We must repent because God is gracious to all who repent of their sin and turn to Christ. If someone truly repents of their sin, no matter how great it is, and in so doing turns to the Lord and puts their faith and trust in Him, will God turn that person away? And the answer is no. Now, if someone says that they are changing or amending their life, 
and they turn from something but do not turn to Christ and embrace Him in faith, then God will not be gracious to them. But to all who make that about face and turn from their sin and turn to Christ and lay down at His feet and say, Lord Jesus, save me. A sinner. God will do that. He will save them. But we also must repent if we want to have life. If we want to have life for our souls, then we must repent of our sin and turn to Christ. If we want to have life everlasting and the new heavens and the new earth, we must repent and turn to Christ. And so we are all called tonight to repent of our sins and to turn to Christ in faith. And then the command of our Lord that He gave to the woman is given to us. Go and sin no more. Now we hear that and we say, well, probably by tomorrow morning I will have sinned again. Even after hearing this, I will do something that is displeasing to the Lord. But when we do sin again, we can go back to the Lord Jesus. And there is the grace of God in Christ for all who belong to Christ. We turn again to our Lord and we confess our sin and we ask for forgiveness and He forgives. That is the greatness of the mercy of God. Now many would look at this woman in our text and they would say this, she does not deserve the mercy of God. She does not deserve the mercy of God because she was caught in the very act of adultery. Somehow, adultery has become an unforgivable sin. But David also was guilty of such. We heard it this morning in our text. David followed uh, the Lord in all of his ways, except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. That didn't begin with Uriah, it began with his wife. And yes, God chastised him for that sin, but David repented, and we have Psalm 51 out of that repentance and he turned again to God and the grace that is found in Christ and God forgave him. And God forgave this woman. Neither do I condemn you. There are others in the church that would say well the scribes and Pharisees they were the, the religious leaders. Obviously they are, they are safe. But yet they're the ones condemned because of their pride. Because of the fact that they did not see their need of Christ. They thought that they were just fine without the Lord. They hated Him and wanted Him to die. And in time in John's Gospel, they will send Him to the cross. But they are the ones that are condemned. And so as we think of this text tonight, we put ourselves in the place of this woman and Jesus says, where are those that condemn you? Now we have one that loves to condemn us and would every day, and that is Satan. He would love to condemn God's people and he seeks to condemn God's people. What does Paul tell us? There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ. Nothing that separates us. Nothing that condemns us before God if we are truly found 
in Christ. And so are you found in Christ tonight? If not, then come to Him. Turn from your sins. See your sins. See your need of a Savior. See your need of Jesus saving you. And and turn from that sin and embrace Christ in faith. And if you do that, then you are forgiven and you, you are given life. And then we are to go and sin no more, for we have not been condemned by God. That we have been redeemed by His grace and mercy. May God add His blessing tonight to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank You this evening for Your Word. Now, Lord, we, we pray tonight that You would be merciful to us. We all are deserving of Your wrath, of death. For we have sinned and we have sinned greatly. Lord, we ask for that mercy and grace tonight. Forgive us of our sin. And Father, if there are any here tonight that You are at this moment in time revealing to them their their hearts and the sinfulness of their hearts, the sinfulness of of their lives, and as You reveal these things to them, may they come to Christ. May they see Jesus dying on the cross for sinners. May they, they understand what Jesus did in His life, in His death, in His resurrection to save the most unworthy of us. Oh Lord, none of us are worthy of Your love and Your grace, but we thank You that You bestow that love and grace upon us through Your Son. No, God, conform us more to the image of Jesus. Prepare us for that which is to come to us at the last day when we, we, we will be welcomed into our home. Sanctify us more and more by your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.